This is the number one podcast, whether you're looking to flip, wholesale, or buy rentals. Here at Future Flipper, we transform lives through real estate investing. And now, your host, Brian Davila. What's up, guys? It's your favorite real estate investor, Brian Davila. Welcome to the first ever Future Flipper podcast. And today I am interviewing the CEO of Future Flipper, uh, green hair and all, Mr. Ryan Pineda. How's it going, Ryan? Bro, I like your your tagline, your favorite real estate investor. When did you come up with that one? (laughs) That's what I've been told, so. (laughs) I love it, dude. But yeah, so um, this is the first ever Future Flipper podcast. Um, we filmed a couple of ones before this, but we had to bring Ryan on um, to just, you know, start off with a bang. So, so it's actually it going, not the first ever episode. It's just like the perceived first yeah. ever episode. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we, but, were, we, we were getting ready to launch. And the more, the more I thought about it, I was like, we should probably interview me, right? Like this and kind of yeah. talk about what we're doing with this podcast. Yeah. So, um, so I guess, Ryan... Um, I guess let's tell. Let's start off with telling people the history of Future Flipper. I think that's a good place to start. Yeah, I think um, starting there can kind of help people understand why we're doing this podcast and where we're trying to take this. So, you know, I started Future Flipper back in 2018. You know, I was flipping houses. That's the first time I made over a million dollars in my real estate business, and you know, everybody's asking me how to flip, right? And I never wanted to be a guru or do any of that stuff, and so. I just said, you know what? I'm tired of answering this question over and over again. I'm just going to write a book and teach people how to do it. And so I actually ended up writing Flip Your Future, which I've got you know, a bunch of copies right here that I'm signing um, for our students. And everyone loved the book. Um, it's super easy to read. You know, It's just straight to the point, no fluff. And so I was like, that's good. But you know, a lot of people were like, well, we want more. And so I created a course and the course was really good. It's actually how I met Brian Davila. You know, he, he was one of the first people to ever buy the course. And, um, with the course, he hit the ground running and started buying flips just on that. Well, after that, I I had so much demand. People were like, we want an event. And I was like, okay, I'm going to hold an event for 10 people only here in Las Vegas. At the time I only had like a Facebook. That was really where I was active. And, Mm -hmm. You know, I posted on Facebook, I did a live, and literally, I think Brian might have been the first or the second person that was like, I'm in. I'm I was going the first, the for sure. <laughs> you were the first. I think Michael Stevenson was the second. Mm-hmm. Um, and Stevenson's actually now my um, head appointment guy on all of our flips. He goes on all the listing or the um, seller appointments. So anyways, we do the event, and I'm like, this is great. You know, it's cool. And, you know, from there, kind of in 2019, I didn't really push it. You know, I didn't want to be a coach or anything. I was busy, focused on my business. Um, I had recently become a dad. And so I was just not really focused on growing businesses. I was trying, I was focused on being a parent. And, you know, at the end of the year, I said, you know what, we should hold another event. And so I held our big bear event. And I said the same thing. I said, Hey, you know, we're going to limit this to 10 people. We're going to stay at my big bear cabins. We're going to mastermind and training. It's going to be great. And so once again, Brian Davila was one of those 10. Um, you know, we had other people who joined and it was just an amazing kind of retreat. And it's making me think we should probably do something like that again because that was super cool. But um, from there, after that retreat, I said, you know what? I think I'm finally ready to coach. And so 
you know, I started the all-star coaching program then. And once again, Brian Davila, let's go right. Like anything I've ever <laughs> sold this guy, he was For just sure. like, all right, whatever, dude, take my money. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, I, I started the program. It was him. And once again, 10 is basically like our first class of 10 people. And you know, 10s, I guess my lucky number, but it was great. Like the first mastermind was in my house on my couch, like all 10 of us just kind of talking about it. We had Zasha from Hawaii. We had Brian from California, a couple people from Vegas, um, Jeremy from Alaska. Like it was a very diverse set of people. And, um, the, the all-star program just kept growing and growing and it was great. Well, that was 2020, you know, and the pandemic and everything. And I was like, dude, Future Flipper's finally, like, starting to evolve into, like, this community. Like, this is cool. And as we go into 2021, um, Brian hits me up and he says, hey, dude, you know, I love Future Flipper. It's changed my life, you know, and you guys probably know a lot about Brian's story. But he, you know, went from zero flips in 2018 to making half a million dollars in 2019 to making, like, how much in 2020? I don't know. A lot of money, dude. Like 700,000. Yeah, 700,000. Yeah. Yeah, like Future Flipper changed his life. And he goes, hey, you know, so many people are asking me to coach. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you think I should start a coaching program? Or is there something I can do with Future Flipper? Yeah. And I said, okay, I don't know what you could do with Future Flipper right now, but let me think about it. And so the more I thought about it, the more that I was like, hey, you know what? There's this untapped, you know, community of rookies that we're not really helping right now. We're only helping people that are more experienced. And so, you know, I said, how about you run the rookie program and like, let's just see how that goes. And so we started the rookie program and, you know, he runs it and it's really good. You know, we're getting students and they're, they're loving Brian as a coach and dude, he's pouring into everybody and it's great. And I go, and all of a sudden Brian just starts helping everything. He's like, all right, we need to do this with the all-star program. We need to do this on the future. Like he just starts taking control of everything. And I'm like, dude, you're just like teaching the rookie program, but like you're not even being paid for these other things. What if, you know, we just made you the COO over everything? Cause I, I know you're like the original future flipper, right? Like yeah, you bleed green and blue, except Let's your go. beard is green and blue or not green and blue. Why'd I say that? Blue and orange. You blue bleed and orange. blue and orange. I got green hair right now. So I said it, <laughs> but, um, you know, why don't you be the COO? And so, you know, literally, um, in 2021, he became the COO and, you know, our revenue, I think, what, what did it do? Maybe like five X and, yeah. you know, it, I attributed all to Brian's initiatives and things, you know, we started to hold really amazing events. Um, we had multiple programs. We have more programs and different niches coming out here, um, later this year. Uh, we've got a women's program coming out. We've got um, boot camps coming out. We've done other partnerships. So, and, you know, I think our events are top notch. I think they're probably the best in the industry. And so I'm super excited where things have come. And uh, Brian is much, a much bigger part of that than me. Like, and that's not even an exaggeration. So, you know, as we went into 2022, I said, what can we do to grow Future Flipper even bigger? And, you know, one thing I looked at was how good we were on my own personal social media, right? That was where we got all of the students. That's where I've, I've always done advertising for all my businesses. And I said, what if we took the back end of my businesses, our ability to edit, create content, all that stuff, and 
utilize it for future flipper. Like what if instead of me making the content, we had our best students, our best coaches, you know, Brian, you guys all make content. And Brian was like, uh, what about a podcast? And I was like, yeah, we can start a podcast. That'd be great. And he's like, can I host it? I was like, of course, because, uh, I don't want to host it. Number one, (laughs) (laughs) but two, uh, you're the perfect guy for it because I get so many requests for all these real estate people that want to be on my podcast. And my podcast isn't strictly about real estate anymore. We, we interview a wide range of people. And so I was like, Mm -hmm. this is like the perfect spot to get all of these people that want to be on the podcast, have Brian interview them. Also too, we get a ton of people who would be podcast remote, but you know, all my podcasts are in person. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we miss out on a lot of great guests. And so I think, with this podcast, we're going to have such a big opportunity to get some amazing guests of all calibers of, you know, talent with real estate, all niches. And Brian, you, I, I already know you're going to do such a great job because you're just wanting to know how they do it for your own like personal <laughs> yeah. benefit. So, like you're going to ask yeah. the questions people are wondering. Yeah. And, um, you know, along with the, the YouTube channel and our Instagram reels, like the future flipper media side of things is growing really fast. And so I'm mm-hmm. super excited about that because it's now making future flipper into this huge community along with an education company. So it's, and, and it's not one that's just built on me, right? It's built 100%. on so many other people. So that's what I'm so excited about with this. All right. Well, I'm really excited too. And I guess I'll give a little bit of my side of the story. Um, <clears throat> I, I came across Ryan, um, he was referred to me by a lender named Ray, Ray Herrera, um, found him on Facebook, um, saw what he was doing, reached out to him, um, really loved the lifestyle that he was living more than anything else. Um, I remember I asked him on a live, like, what's your favorite thing about flipping houses? And he, he said that he loves that he gave his sister a job, his dad a job. He's able to work with his family. And for me, that's that's what I really cared about, um, setting up the lifestyle for me and my family more than like the cars and the watches and all that crap. So I've pretty much been all in on Ryan since like 2018. And um, you're an early he, investor, dude. Yeah, he was undervalued at the time. He didn't have <laughs> he was not like this social media guy. He was like kind of awkward, very serious, <laughs> 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 kind of serious, like all in real estate. So I just believed in it. I believe in future flipper and yeah, it's been a crazy four years. It has been for, well, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. We're going on year five. Like, yeah. So yeah, it's crazy, man, because you know, future flipper started, not that I wanted to grow this big education company, but just Mm -hmm. as like, to solve a problem, I I was kind of like tired of people asking me how to do it. And so I said, here, I'll just, here's how you do it. Yeah. And it's, it's evolved into, you know, one of the top education companies in the real estate space. And, you know, I think having guys like you has made me more motivated to grow it. Um, because when it was just me by myself, I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't really care about growing this, but you've pushed Mm -hmm. me to grow it so much because not only just making more revenue as a business, but like, you're like, dude, how do we help more people? You know, let's do the rookie program. We're missing out on helping these people. Let's do, you know, these events, people want to meet up and do these things, you know, let's do, Mm -hmm. you know, these partnerships with other, you know, people where we can publish them and bring out these new, 
niches that people don't have. And so it's, it's going to be pretty crazy what we do in the coming years and how big things get. Like I really see us transforming, not just as a education company, but to a media company as well. Um, you know, similar to like a bigger pockets or something where, you know, there's just this community of people who love it. And, um, Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be amazing. Yeah. We're going to be the biggest real estate investment community in the United States by far, I think in the next five years. But so I want to give the people some knowledge while we're here. And, um, there's a lot that I know about you. Um, I, I speak to Ryan or text Ryan on like a daily basis and I've been, you know, talking to him for years now, but there's a, there's a couple of like things that I still wonder about and, and a few things that I think will help the listeners. Um, so I want to ask you about them. All right. All right. Let's jump into it. All right. So first one I think is kind of general, but mindset. So one thing I've noticed about you is that you are extremely optimistic and I never really hear you complain. I never really hear you badmouth anyone. I never really hear you talk negative. Um, is, have you always been like that or is that like a skill that you've learned? That's a good question, man. I'm trying to think back to when I was a kid or, you know, even playing baseball and stuff. And I think when you first met me, like you said, I was more quiet. I was more serious. I wasn't like super personable or charismatic. You know, it's interesting because it's just like, I've always been very introverted and I've talked about this before where it was like, yeah, if it was up to me, I wouldn't talk to anybody because that's That's just how I naturally am. And, you know, thinking that way, I just naturally never wanted to complain to people, right? I remember in baseball, right? We'd be making 1200 bucks a month riding on crappy buses and stuff. And so people would be complaining like, this sucks and whatever. I'm like, in my head, I'm thinking, dude, we're like professional athletes. People pay to watch us play. Like, this is so cool that people come mm-hmm. to the park just to watch me go hit a baseball. And like, I just remember it like being grateful for it. And that's why I played so long making nothing. And I played way longer, like even then I knew, like, I think I knew probably by like my fourth season, fifth season, like I wasn't going to get to the big leagues, but I played another three or four seasons because I just love the game, dude. And I loved mm-hmm. everything about it, regardless of the money or the conditions. Um, but you know, there's a saying in baseball where if you don't like it, play better. And I've taken that kind of to business and everything else. It's like, dude, if business isn't working and you don't like your job and you know, you're not getting the results you want, do it better. There's no, Mm -hmm. it ain't freaking Biden's fault. It ain't Trump's fault. It ain't Mm -hmm. anybody's fault. It's your fault. And you have full accountability for what you're going to do. And so for me, I actually take solace in that knowing that I'm in control. And so if I know that I'm in control and like I can dictate you know, how successful I want to be. Um, that makes me optimistic because I'll bet on me a hundred percent of the time. But if I yeah. think my, my circumstance is like the government's going to dictate what I do and whatever, like the government does play a role. Don't get me wrong. The economy plays yeah. a role and I have to pivot and adapt to that. But I know that they, they're not making me do anything. It's so like, 
okay, well, you can't do Airbnbs anymore. I'd be like, that sucks, but I'm not going to complain about it. I'm just going to be like, okay, well, <laughs> what do we do next? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like I said, uh, watching you and then also speaking to the students, it's, it's really interesting because sometimes I'll talk to students and they'll ask me questions like, do you think right now is a good time to be a real estate investor? Like, you know, is the market going to crash? Uh, are there even enough deals? You know, there's, there's 10 other people in the coaching program that are also in California. How are we all going to get deals? And I think it, I think a lot of it is mindset. And mm -hmm. I always tell people our biggest expense are lost opportunities and I think that your mindset can determine if, if you're saying no to deals because you're scared of the market or you're just not optimistic about the outcome, that's a huge expense. That's a huge expense. Yeah, 100%. So I'll tell you the story. When I first got started, many people know this, but you know, I had $10,000 saved up. I was 25 years old. And you know, I had to max out my credit cards to get my first down payment um, for a hard money loan. And so I maxed out $50,000 worth of credit cards, both mine and my wife's, right? And so people are like, <laughs> they're like, aren't you scared? Like, weren't you freaking out? Like, what's the deal? And I said, yeah. not really, because one, I'm always optimistic, like you said. But yeah. two, I said, I looked at the, the cost of doing nothing and the cost of this. And I said, okay, the cost of not taking the risk would just eat me up so bad that mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to live with myself knowing that I didn't at least try, you know? Yeah. yeah. Now let's look at the cost of failure, right? Like, okay, the cost of failure is, okay, worst case, maybe we lose a few thousand dollars, the flip goes bad, whatever, right? In yeah. the ultimate worst case, the house gets foreclosed on and I'm in credit card debt, right? And yeah. maybe I go bankrupt or something, right? But I'm only 25, like I'll, I'll figure it out. Like, and, and by the way, even if it failed, mm -hmm. I would have learned a lot and I would have did it again to go remake yeah. that money I lost, right? So I was like, man, there's like no risk in doing this because the only risk <laughs> is in doing nothing because yeah. I'm not scared of the worst case scenario, but let's look at the best case scenario of each decision, right? The best yeah. case scenario of maxing out the credit cards was, I was going to make 25K and it was going to lead to more and more, which actually happened. And so mm -hmm. I was like, wow, that was great. Um, the best case scenario of doing nothing was <laughs> continuing on the same path I've been on, right? And mm -hmm. so at that point, it would have been just flipping couches, being unhappy, and just basically not doing anything. So yeah. I, I, I tell students this all the time. It's like, look, it's never the perfect time to do anything, period. Okay. Mm -hmm. People think, you know, oh man, I wish I could have bought real estate back in 2010. It's like, no, don't you think you could have bought it back in 2019 and you'd be looking pretty good today, right? Yeah. Like you'd have killed mm -hmm. it, you yeah. know? Oh, I wish I would have started social media back when, you know, YouTube and TikTok and stuff. It's like, dude, people were saying that when I started social media two years ago, right? It's still yeah. okay to start it today. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the beauty of real estate unlike social media and other things is that it's pretty much guaranteed to go up. If you can just mm -hmm. hold it long enough, you're going to win no matter what. Right. YouTube might be gone in 30 years, right? Probably will yeah. be honestly. Um, and so 
you start to think about this and you're like, man, dude, the, the worst case scenario isn't that bad. And so that that's what helps my mindset. But the other thing that helps my mindset is just time, right? I'm just so aware that like time is so limited, the less time I have, you know, the more my schedule just fills up every day and it's just back to back to back to back. I'm like, man, I have no time. And, you know, the more I get older, I'm like, dang, I'm 33 now. Like, I just remember, like, it was yesterday, I was 25, and my kids are, you know, three yeah. and two now. Yeah. And I'm just like, time goes so fast. And every day you waste living in fear is so, like, that's not what God had planned for anybody. You know, mm-hmm. we're not meant to be on this earth to live in fear, right? We're meant to go on this earth and to create value and to, you know, make it a better place and, you know, do these things that we have the ability to do if we just get past fear. Yeah. I've actually, I don't know if you, I said that on stage at the future flipper event, I said, live life with faith, not fear, live life through faith, not fear. It's true. I mean, yeah. You know, I think at future flipper, we have a ton of Christians. We have a ton of people who aren't religious or anything too, but you know, everyone for the most part knows I'm very vocal about my faith and everything. And Faith truly is what gets you through business. Because think about this, like when you're starting a business from scratch, there is literally no data to suggest that you should succeed at this, right? Yeah. Especially if you're going to go drop a bunch of money joining Future Flipper or any other program, right? If you've never done a deal. So what's propelling you to do this? Well, it's faith, right? You have faith Mm -hmm. that you are going to succeed in this new endeavor. And what gives you more faith? Well, it's hard to develop faith on your own from scratch, right? Like, you know, my faith has been pretty strong, but I can tell you the more success I've had, the more faith that I've had in what I was doing, right? Because I just get better. But really what gives me more faith is one, when I have a blueprint, right? If I go into a new industry and I have a blueprint of how to execute in that industry, I have a lot of faith that I'm going to do well. And so whether that's been NFTs and crypto, whether that's been e-com, social media, I've always had some kind of blueprint where I'm like, okay, I'm not going into this blind. Like I have pretty good faith. I'm going to succeed. Two, I've always gone into it having the right mentors, right? Same deal. Like I have so many connections and mentors in all these different industries. And so that's what allows me to thrive. But three, you know, is the community aspect of it, right? If you're in a place where other people are all striving to do what you do, what you want to do, you're going to be more likely to do it because you've got people supporting you. Um, you've also are seeing it firsthand with other people who are in the same boat as you do it, right? Like if you're trying to get your first deal and there's somebody else who gets their first deal who, you know, you know them, you're like, wow, they did it. I can do this. It gives you more faith in yourself. And so yeah. to get all those things is very difficult because you know, they just don't exist, right? Right. You usually got to buy into it. That's why Future Flipper works is because when you get a blueprint, you get a mentor, you get a community, you know, it makes mm-hmm. getting that first deal so much easier and it makes scaling so much easier too, because you're around people who've already done it. And, you know, it just goes back down to, it's hard to have faith when you have no guidance or anything else. Like you're just basically have blind faith with no reason. <laughs> I'll tell yeah. you, like, I don't really have blind faith when you actually think about it, I have very, uh, I, I don't know, guided faith. Calculated. Like I go in, I'm yeah. like, I have all these things. Like I, there's a reason why I have faith in what I'm about to do. Yeah. A hundred percent. And 
like <clears throat> I've noticed with myself also after uh, hiring you as a coach, a lot of that, the fear of unknown went away because now I'm like, okay, well, if I don't know what to paint the house, I could just go ask Ryan. If I don't know, <laughs> well, you know what I mean? If I don't know what hard money lender I need, I could just ask Ryan. So that took a big weight off my chest and allowed me to go take action because I was okay with not knowing stuff because I knew I had people on my side that would let me know and answer those questions. Yeah. I mean, and that's the difference too. I tell people this all the time, like on YouTube, you know, you might be able to watch a video and we put out great content on my channel and future flippers channel and everything. But you know, Mm -hmm. when you come across a problem, you can't go ask YouTube, Hey, what, what do you do in this situation? It, mm-hmm. it just, there's no interaction, right? But when you have a coach and a mentor and a community, you can get those answers that are actually the, the real pieces needed to get the deal done. Mm-hmm. I guess so. Right now, I, I put I put in my I put on my Instagram. What should I ask Ryan? And like you could imagine, a lot of questions were about your hair. So I'll ask about that. <laughs> I'll ask about that later. But a lot of people are asking about the changing real estate market. Yeah. So some people ask, do you think uh, interest rates are going to go down still? Because you said that before. And what adjustments should people be making right now with the market changing? So two things for those who've never heard my theory. Um, back in January, I made a prediction. I do this every January. And I've been pretty much right since 2020 doing this. Um, I said in this January that I thought they were going to raise rates pretty dramatically um, around like March or April, which they did. And I felt like this was going to cause like a little mini recession. And Mm. because of that, the government was going to say, oh, you know, we tried to raise rates and combat inflation, but the economy is just too weak. And, you know, now we got to lower rates and do stimulus. And, Mm. um, I have no reason to believe that that's not going to be the case because it's playing out exactly as I said. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think right now it's June. At the end of June, it will come out that we've had a recession because that's two negative GDP quarters in a row. And um, the media will get behind that and spark fear, which uh, is my belief that the media is being puppeteered to do anyway. And from there, you know, we can then lower rates again because and say, hey, we got to do this to save the economy. So I still believe that. Now, if that happens, obviously that helps real estate. Okay, it's bad for, uh, you know, I would say lower income people because it it just kills them even more. I mean, like you're seeing it now with gas and prices and all this stuff like stimulus and lower rates help the wealthy. That's, you know, is what it is. So, I mean, if we're watching this and you're a real estate investor, it's great for you, okay? But um, for the overall economy and stuff, it's not great, but it's still what I think is going to happen. But let's just say it doesn't happen, right? Because we talk about worst case and best case scenarios. And so that's how I'm evaluating this, just like when I evaluated whether or not I wanted to max out my credit cards, you know, seven, eight years ago. So... You know, I look at this and I say, okay, best case, and look, this isn't the best case for everybody, but I'm just saying in the real estate space, the best case is they lower rates again, right? Yeah. Well, real estate's going to just go bonkers. That's Mm -hmm. what will happen, okay? The worst case is 
they continue to raise rates, okay, and we get to levels like 6%, 7%, right? That's definitely going to hurt real estate 100% if they continue to raise rates. I don't think they're going to do that, but let's just say in the doomsday scenario, they do. Well, at that point, we need to start watching inventory levels, okay? So one of the big things we teach a future flipper is to watch inventory. And the way you calculate this is by taking the number of active homes in your market and dividing it by the number of homes sold in the last 30 days, okay? So I've been tracking this statistic for the last four years, okay? And I'm pulling it up right now as we speak, you know, here in Las Vegas, as it stands today, the active number of inventory is 1.45 months, okay? So with 1.45 months, that means that if no new home ever hit the market again, the remaining homes would be sold in the next six weeks, essentially, um, which is very low inventory, okay? For a balanced market, you need to have three to four months of inventory, okay? That's like balanced. And anything above four months is a buyer's market. Mm -hmm. um, and anything below three months is a seller's market, right? So when I got into real estate in 2010 here in Vegas, there was literally like nine months of inventory, like that's what it was. It was crazy. This was this is why prices tanked. Um, as I continued my career, we started to see, you know, it was around three to four months. Like that was pretty much the average for years. And I flipped houses just fine at that point. You know, did I get ten offers on first day? No. In fact, I would yeah. list, and it would take a month to like get an offer to to get yeah. something that was reasonable and sell. I'd have to pay closing costs. I would have to, you know, it was neutral. Um, but then this shift started to happen where the market just started to catch on fire. Inventory started to go low, you know, went from three months to two months to, you know, one month to less than a month, right? Like we got as low as like half a month of inventory. And so when you're at those levels, you start to see what, you know, has been happening. Rapid yeah. appreciation, 10 offers first day. And that's like what the market did. Mm -hmm. So when I look at it and I say, we got 1.45 months of inventory, I'm like, dude, this is still a red hot market. That is an extreme seller's market. It's not hyper extreme, like 0.5 yeah. months, but I think the people get jaded because they say, well, oh, well, you know, I'm not getting offers anymore. It's like, yeah. well, yeah, you, you realize how like real estate's supposed to work. You're not supposed yeah. to get 10 offers at one. That's not real yep. estate. Yep. And so am I concerned? No, but what am I doing? I'm actively tracking the supply. Because that is the biggest indicator of where the market's going. And so is supply going up? Absolutely. And that should be expected as rates increase. Um, but it's going to stabilize somewhere. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we're going to see where it stabilizes. And if it stabilizes at, you know, one and a half months, great. I'm buying like crazy. It stabilizes at two months. That's great. I'm still buying like crazy. To stabilize at three months, great. I'm buying like crazy. At mm -hmm. the moment it starts to go into the four month territory, then I'm like, hey, this is getting bad. Um, you know, we should probably really reevaluate our buying strategy. Now, here's something to think about. You know, we kind of already went through this in 2020 with COVID. You mm -hmm. know, the market, we had like one and a half months of inventory here in Vegas. And um, I was buying like crazy. It was great. And then all of a sudden inventory shot up because all these people backed out of deals. You know, everyone's getting laid off, all this stuff, right? So inventory shot up to three months. And then it even shot up to four months. Okay, so this is not a new thing that, you know, has never, it, like this happened two years ago. 
So what happened? Everyone shut down their operation. Wholesalers went out of business. People stopped marketing. They stopped buying everything else. Well, what did I do? I told everyone in Future Flipper, I said, do not stop buying, okay? For one, I believe that this is going to be short-lived. They're going to turn back on the economy, and it's going to boom. And I was right. But I also said, when you're in a different market environment, you just change your buying criteria. And so before... I was like, yeah, if this thing makes 25K, 20K, I'm good. Let's buy it, you know? Mm -hmm. But then I said, okay, the market is uncertain. Even though I think it's going to bounce back, let's be safe. And so I said, our minimum profit on deals needs to be 50K now. And that was to prevent two things. One, that I didn't have to buy everything at a lower margin because no one, I didn't have competition, right? So I could get bigger mm -hmm. spreads. But two... It was to protect me from downside. So maybe if I was buying at thinking I'm going to get 50K, but the market still keeps going down, then it only sells for, you know, whatever. And I make 20K, you yeah. know, that's fine. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, and so my premise back then was that forbearance was going to prevent foreclosures and that government was going to print money. And I was right. And so, you know, people who were in forbearance didn't want to sell their home, you know, all this stuff. And my premise now is that with 1.45 months of inventory, for us to get to a seller's market, we need to triple the supply. So it's like, where's the supply going to come from? You know, are all these people just going to sell their homes out of nowhere? Everyone has equity. Like no one's underwater on a home like they were in 2008. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, in the end, nobody's letting foreclosures happen. They're, they're going to sell it and make money. But you know, when I look at all the indicators, one, builders can't build fast enough to meet demand. Okay. So no supply coming there. Two, hedge funds are, are still buying today, right? They're smarter than you and I. So mm -hmm. if they're still buying, then there's probably a reason. And yeah. <laughs> when they buy, that property comes off the market forever. That property's yeah. gone. It's never hitting the market ever again. They're not going underwater. <laughs> and yeah. they're just going to sell that property to another hedge fund as part of a portfolio down the road. Um, but three, you have a new problem that's never existed. That's very interesting. And that's the interest rate problem of people locked in to very good rates. So all these people yeah. that got 2% rates, 3% rates, and now they see five, potentially six or seven. Do you think they're ever going to sell their home? I'm not. No. Like, <laughs> why would they sell? Yeah. Like, dude. Your mortgage is so cheap compared to if you were to buy the same exact home with double or triple the rate. Like you'd be dumb to ever sell your home yeah. unless you like were going bankrupt and you had to. So, yeah, I think there's no indicators to say supply is going to come anywhere. So, you know, I'll, that's why I watch inventory because that is the biggest thing that will dictate price, supply and demand, simple business and economics. And so, um, I don't believe that uh, real estate, even in the worst case scenario, will tank. I think it could normalize, you know, if we get to that three to four month range. And even if it goes to, say, five months, six months, that mm -hmm. does not tank a market. That would be a gradual, you know, decrease or even just kind of stable deal. And so when that happens and you start to see three, four months, it doesn't mean, oh, I'm done buying real estate forever. It just means, no, you just get deeper deals, right? Like this house, I think, you know, I, I want to make... 30k on today. Let's get, let's make 60k on it. And if the market stays stable, you just made 60k. Fantastic. If the market mm -hmm. goes down and you made 30k, 
I'm not too mad about that. If the market just completely tanks and drops 20%, right? Okay, you break even. Yeah. Like, I'll take those bets. Yeah. So I have a few comments. So today's actually my seven-year anniversary being in real estate, which is crazy. Um, I bring that up because I remember when I started, if you listed a house overpriced, it didn't sell. Even if it was like ten, fifteen thousand dollars, if you needed to be at three hundred, and you were listed at three fifteen, your house was not selling. The last two years, you could list at three fifteen, get multiple offers, and sell at three fifty or three twenty five. So I think I agree with you. We're going to go back into a market where you're not going to just be able to list crap on the market and sell for ridiculous prices. I think that's over. I already see it in California. It's that's done. I wouldn't even say it's done. I would say it's like in the worst case scenario, we're going back to the normal market, right? Yeah. Your house better look good. You're not going to get an offer first day. It might take you a month to get an offer. You're going to have to negotiate with them. You can't overprice it. Like that's how I grew up doing real estate. This this last two years is not normal. Um, And people just are so jaded by the last two years. They think the world's falling because we're going back to normal. Um, but I still think, like I said, if rates go down again, we do go back into the crazy period because people mm-hmm. are going to say, oh, crap, like rates are low again. Like they might go back up. We got to lock in a home today. That's yeah. what's going to happen. I guarantee it. Um, and like just use simple human psychology. Like another thing I think is going to happen, by the way, and hasn't happened yet, but there was a lot of people who didn't get homes during this frenzy. Right. And so they're going to read these reports and say like, Oh man, the market's softening and you know, people can get homes and they're going to come back to the market because they're going to say, Oh man, like, okay, maybe I can get one now. Finally. Yeah. I agree with that. But I think the simple answer now is you need to buy right. And you need to know your numbers where the last two years, if you underestimated the rehab, that was fine because the market was going (laughs) to take care of you, you know, like I, when I first started, if you if you went over on your rehab budget, you might lose money or not make any money. But the last yeah, two or, years, whatever. Well, the other one was too is time, right? Like so, typically the longer you hold a property, the worse, right? You have hard money payments. Yeah. But for us, inflation was more than hard money payments. So it's like the longer yeah. rehab took, we actually yeah. made money. It's like one hundred percent. Everything was backwards. Yeah, I w- I actually did that. I I swear I did that on a couple of properties where I didn't have a crew to reach it right away. But I was like, you know what? I don't even care because I know in like two, three months, it's going to be worth even another 20, 30, $40,000. So yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So we're just moving into a regular market. All right. um, So another thing I want to talk to you about is time management. So you have, I don't even know how many businesses you have right now. Do you, do you know how many? A lot, dude. Some haven't even been released, but I'm working <laughs> yeah. on them. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere, somewhere around, I would say six to 10, you think? Yeah. Let's just say 10, like that I'm public, not public and non-public. Yeah. Okay. Total of 10. Yeah. And um, I talk to business owners all the time who they never have time. They're always busy. Every time I... I catch them on a phone call. They're like, man, my day was hectic. I got this going on. And I'm like, dude, aren't you just, you're only flipping houses, right? 
yeah. How many houses do you have right now? Five. I'm yeah. like, dude, how are you? How are you so busy and you have five flips? <laughs> like, like, what are you doing? Like, literally, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. So, how are you? How are you able to do so much in such little time? Man, it's a good question. Um, I think that's why I created one of my businesses that isn't really a business, the wealthy way, um, just to kind of teach people that, like how I manage time. And by the way, for anyone listening, um, by the time this launches, it may be out, but uh, I'm releasing a brand new course called the Wealth or um, the Business Builder Academy, teaching people how we build businesses. Um, the other one's called the Wealth Builder Academy, teaching this time management principle. But yeah, I think if I had to like say the two biggest things that have allowed me to do it is one, I got really good at delegating and hiring. Um, so I just was great at finding people like you who could run these businesses. And I always hired from the top down. I said, you know, if I could find Brian Davila, I know he'll take care of the people beneath him. You know, yeah. if I can hire Sean Bob, he'll take care of the people beneath him. But what most people do is they hire bottom up. They yeah. say, oh, I need a sales guy. I need a project manager. I need this, right? And so they have to hire 10 people when in reality, I just hire one and I let them just be a beast. And so I think- yeah. Getting great at hiring was one thing. Um, but the second thing was, and I, actually I should say with hiring comes trust. And so that's another thing where I'm super trustful of everyone yeah. that I hire. And that goes back down to the top-down approach. If I fully am optimistic and have faith in the person that I'm hiring, I believe that they're going to do what's in the best interest of the company, you know, myself, the organization, the other employees they hire. And it, it does not work if you don't have those things, right? Because if I am not trustful of what you're doing at Future Flipper, I'd be checking on you every day. I'm like, okay, yeah. like, did you do it? Did you do it? And then my time is just sunk. So yeah. you got to have trust. But the second thing was, you know, it's uh, it sounds super cliche to say, but I, I think I'm like one of the best in the world at the 80-20 rule. Um, mm-hmm. I literally don't do anything that doesn't give maximum result. You know, if there's like a simple task that I could do, I still refuse to do it. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not. What is the 80, 20 rule? What is the 80, 20 rule? Some people might not know what that is. Yeah. So the 80, 20 rule is that it's called Pareto's principle. You guys can look it up later, but um, basically it's that 20% of the things you do, have 80% of the outcome, right? So if you really broke down the day-to-day and your business and everything else, you could say that, yeah, there's 20% of my time that I spend doing this and it actually generates 80% of the results our company gets. And this this works for anything in your life, right? So that means that the other 80% of what you, you spend your time on only generates 20% of the extra results. Yeah. And so... You know, Tim Ferriss made this principle very famous in the four hour work week. And I read that when I was really young before I ever made money. And I was like, man, that makes sense, right? Why do people spend so much time doing this stuff that doesn't give them a high return? And the thing is, it's stuff that needs to get done, right? Like when I talk about these things that don't give me a high return, right? Answering emails, you know, paperwork, these things that they have to be done, but they're not a good use of time. You know, um, what, what's a good use of time? Like, let's just, uh, we'll, we'll use a future flipper for example, right now. Like what's a great use of my time? Well, um, making videos 
is a great use. It brings awareness to future Flipper. It generates traffic and revenue and, you know, all that stuff. Another great use is hopping on, you know, all-star coaching calls and, and doing that and, and feeding into them. Another good use is, you know, the events, right? When we hold events, those are really fun. They, they generate, you know, so much hype and excitement for the company and for all of our students. They're great. Um, do I personally do anything at Future Flipper beyond that? I don't oh. think I, I can't think of anything else I do, right? No. But Future Flipper is an organization with thousands of students who have bought, you know, all of our products and things. Like it takes a lot of time to go run an event and set it up. It takes a lot of time to onboard students into the program. It takes a lot of time to do all of the accountability coaching, all the rookie calls, set up all these partnerships and, you know, yeah. book people to speak on the podcast and book people like, Accounting. dude, there's, there's yeah. so much that goes into it. Um, you know, meetings. I'm not in any meeting with Future Flipper, right? Because I don't think I need to be, you know, I think that the team is so good that they don't need me. Right. And I think that if there is a problem, you guys can talk about it for an hour and then you can give me it in like one minute and mm -hmm. you know, just saved me an hour of time that yeah. I didn't have to waste sitting to learn the whole thing. So, you know, when you look at like, okay, this guy's the face of, you know, an enormous company and a big community. It's like, how many hours do I actually spend? you know, at future flipper. And I would guess, I don't know what you would guess. What do you think? Mm, I think you don't spend a lot of time with like employees and stuff like that. But I know that like students reach out to you and you, you guys are texting and calling and, you know, small chats here and there. So I think you spend more time doing that for sure than you do actually like running the day-to-day -day accounting and onboarding and stuff like that. Yeah, I would say on the actual business side of things, maybe I spend like two to three hours a week um, yeah. on that. And then, you know, when students text me and stuff, I don't like consider it really time. Like yeah. I, I'm getting texts throughout the day of just anything and everything. So I just respond to them and whatever. It's like, it's just not really anything to me. I enjoy it. I love when students reach out and helping them. But, um, you know, you look at that and you're like, man, three hours a week on like a business that big. Like, how yeah. can that be possible? Well, it's like literally 80-20 rule. I just don't think I can contribute in any of those other ways that someone else can't do. You know, yeah. it's like somebody else can do the accounting. Someone else can do accountability coaching. I am a terrible accountability coach, by the way. Like, I, yeah. I hold no one accountable. Um, <laughs> and you're kind of mean. You're kind of mean. I am mean, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, dude, I'm like, this is how you do it. Yeah. You're on your own. Like, this yeah. is, I'm terrible at it. So, yeah. That's why I don't do it, right? Like, I know I'm not the best at it. And so I get people who are. And, you know, just with everything we do, it's like, okay, we are going to do a Future Flipper channel, right? Most people would be like, oh, well, Ryan, you have to do it. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I don't. There are other talented people who can do this, right? Yeah. And so that's how I budget my time. I just know my time is so limited. And I know that I have so many passions and different things I want to do, not just in business, but with my family, with my church, with golf with just going on vacation, like I, I don't want to dedicate my life to just one thing um, because yeah. that's just not how I was built. It's not what I enjoy doing, but I, I love that I have people who do do that, right? Like you've told me this, you're like, dude, I just want to grow future flipper as big as possible and help as many people as possible. And like, that's all I want to do. And I'm like, I'm glad you're the one who wants to do that because <laughs> 
<laughs> we need that. We need everybody. Yeah. Like we yeah. need all these roles of people who want to do those things. Yeah. Yeah. I think for, for me, um, when it comes to time management, I definitely gotten better at it. And I learned from you, you know, hiring people that you trust and people that really care, not people that are just there for the paycheck. That I think is like super key. Like you want people to really love your business and really be attached to the outcome, not just the paycheck. So that's helped me with future flipper and with flipping houses, bringing on like assistants or acquisition people or whatever that they're there because they really want to be a part of the community, the company and, and help it grow. So that's like yeah. helps your time management. Yeah. And I think I've been kind of training you on time management ever since you became the COO and yeah. slowly like taking things away from you. So like, okay, here's another thing I spend a lot of my time on actually it's in training all the high level leaders in the companies, because that is literally the best use of my time. If I can make Devella understand what I understand, yeah. it then penetrates the entire company. Okay. Yeah. Versus me trying to go train each individual employee and like, it's just not as effective, right? If I train one, I get the effect of 10. And so, um, with you, I remember you wanted to do everything. That yeah. was your mindset. And it, it, yeah. it wasn't from like, you didn't like, you just really wanted to help people. And like, I kind of had to ring you in like, Hey, I know you want to jump on every call with every student and help them with their problems. And that's amazing, but it's not scalable as we grow, right? Yeah. Like you can't be the COO and be the head coach at the same time, you know? Yeah. And so at some point we're going to have to find who that head coach is. Somebody who's as caring as you, who's yeah. as passionate as you, because there is somebody, you're not the only one who can do it. hundred um, percent. Yeah. And so how do we find a lot of you so that you can focus on being the COO and understanding, you know, how to run this organization and run it to be bigger and better? Because like, that's where the maximum impact is, right? If you run the organization from the top down and create this massive thing and build all of these amazing coaches and management underneath you, that's how we get maximum impact versus you personally talking to every student at once, right? And it's the yeah. same thing with me. If I were to just take every student's phone call and, you know, solve all the problems, we wouldn't be where we're at today. We would help less people and it would just be bad. So yeah. it's weird. It's this weird thing where you start to realize trying to help people one-on-one -on -one is like not actually the most helpful. No. And there's been times where like, <laughs> I know I'm doing stuff that I shouldn't be doing. Like there was there was a night where one of the rookie students couldn't figure out how to like download the contract as a PDF so he could print it. And I'm like sitting there on the phone with him, like trying yeah. to talk him through it. And I'm like, I know I shouldn't be doing this because it's going to cause burnout. If I'm sitting here taking all these little calls that I, I could delegate, it's, it's going to cause burnout and it's going to, and it takes up a lot of mental space. So yeah. that's kind of the last thing I want to talk about before we wrap up, because I know you got to go home. One thing I've learned from you is making sure to take time to think, which sounds so stupid, but I know when I first started real estate, I was just like, you know, wake up, go, 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 go prospect, go door knock, go work, like go take action all the time. 
And I actually never took time to like just sit there and think about my business, think about what I like, think about what I don't like, think about who I need to hire, like taking time to like envision uh, a greater outcome. Um, and I think that's so powerful. And I think a lot of people don't do it. I don't know if it's because they lack creativity or they just, I don't know why, but I see that, I see that as a flaw in a lot of students who are trying to scale is they never take time to think. They're just so busy in the day to day that they never look up or make the next move. Yeah. So I spend a ton of time thinking, you know, I spend at least, you know, before I ever get to the office at 10. Right. People don't know this, but you know, I, I wake up at five 30 and I spend the next four and a half hours just working on me, you know? So I read my Bible, I pray, you know, I meditate, I do all these things, you know, then I go to the gym, then I go hit golf balls and, you know, I get ready and all this stuff and eat breakfast. And so like, it takes four and a half hours and this four and a half hours is me by myself. Okay. Doing all these things. And so what do you think I do during four and a half hours with no one around me? I'm just mm -hmm. like thinking I'm listening to podcasts. I am, you know, doing all these things that like help me innovate and come up with the ideas. Right. And I'm really working like the muscle in my brain. And most people don't work their brain at all. Like they, they want to be entertained. Okay. So they just watch social media, they watch YouTube, whatever. And, is watch it all day, right? They're just being entertained. Their muscle, their brain is actually not working, right? It's not problem solving. Um, you know, and then other people sometimes just want to be told the answer, right? And so they get a problem they're like, Brian, how do I down, how do I make this a PDF? It's like, mm -hmm. well, if you actually exercised your brain muscle, <laughs> you would figure <laughs> out how to make it a PDF, right? But everybody yeah. just wants the answer. Yeah. And so there's a fine line between learning to problem solve on your own versus, you know, getting the blueprint and all those things. Like I think both have to go hand in hand. Right. I think that, mm -hmm. you know, you want to have the blueprint and know how to do things. Right. But you also want to constantly be thinking about problems that are happening in your business and in your life and how you can solve those, you know, yourself first and foremost. And then from there you, you ask basically for feedback from everyone else. And this is exactly what I do. So you know, I'll just think about, you know, the market or I'll think about, you know, problems and different things we want to do, events, uh, whatever it is. And I'll come up with my solution. I've gone through all the scenarios in my head and, and then I'll say, hey, Brian, what do you think about this if we were to do this? Right. And then you'll give me feedback. You'll be like, yeah, that's that's great. Or that's dumb. Like, you're, And then we, we problem solve versus me saying, Brian, dude, there's a problem right here. I don't know what to do. You'll yeah. never hear me say that yeah. um, because I'll, I'll come to you with, I've already kind of gone through it in my head of like, this is the solution. What do you think? Yeah. Um, and so I think people need to do more of that. And you kind of already tell students to do that because there'll be students who are like, okay, I got a deal. And you're like, okay, like what have you gone through? They're like, no, can you run through the numbers for me? Uh, and yeah. it's like, no, you need to yeah. go through it, the process yeah. and yeah. try to like, you have to learn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But we'll yeah. give you feedback once you've gone through the process. Yep. Or they'll say like, hey, I got this lead. I think it could be a creative finance lead. Can you call them? And I'll say, okay, you want me to call them? Have you spoken to them at all? No. 
okay, why do you think it's a creative finance lead? Oh, because the realtor told me they want market value. Like, okay, have you brought up creative finance at all? No. Okay, well, <laughs> you need to call them first and then you do that. It's not just like hand the ball off to someone and let them do all the work. You have to go out and learn. Yeah, we all don't have LeBron James on our team, you know? Yeah. And I even do this with you and like all of our employees, right? They'll be like, Ryan, you know, what do you think we should do? And I'll be like, what do you think we should do? Yeah. I do that a lot. I already yeah. know the answer, by the way. I don't do it just like, yeah. there's a reason I do it. It's because yeah. I want you guys to exercise your learning ability and problem solving capabilities. Because, you know, if I just give the answer every time, it's not beneficial to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I think some people sometimes will think it's mean or, but it's not, it's like you, you just want people to, to think through the problem and, and learn and gain experience. So. I can tell you so many people have so much more within them on creativity. I did not think I was a creative person, dude. Like you said, yeah. uh, five years ago, I was very different, right? Yeah. Um, it was only because I started to actually dig deep within myself to see what mm-hmm. I actually wanted to do, what I was capable of. And now like all these things are happening that I would have never predicted I was capable of. And even to this point, I still don't know what I'm capable of. And I'm always trying to search and like, see what the next level that I have within me is. Yeah. All right. So I know it's getting late. Mindy's going to get mad. So, but I have one more question. So let's talk about creativity. So I bet if I, when I met you, if I would have told you, Hey dude, you're going to have green hair, purple hair, whatever hair you would be like, no, like you, you like didn't joke at all. When I first met you, dude, you were so serious and Mm -hmm. so intense when people would ask me, how's Ryan? I'd be like, dude, he's just intense. Like he's super intense. He's not playing around. So were you nervous coloring your hair the first time that people were just going to hate on you? Um, I think by the time I colored my hair, I had already like gone through so much hate just on social media, right? Because I put out so many videos and stuff. So I was like, I don't even care anymore. Like <laughs> it does not matter to anyone's stuff. So by that point, no, I just didn't care. But I can tell you, like, I definitely feared judgment when I first started on social media of like, oh, does this guy know what he's talking about? See a scammer, see a guru, right? Because anybody yeah. teaching or selling education is always perceived that way. You know, at least mm-hmm. they were. I think yeah. that's kind of changing a little bit. I think but, it changed, um, yeah. You know, I was worried about that because I'm like, no, I'm actually doing this. Like, I'm really good at real estate. Um mm-hmm. But, you know, I think now I, I really don't give a crap what anyone thinks about anything, to be honest. Yeah, that's that's interesting because even there was there's times where I've texted you where I'm like, oh, are you worried about this video like not doing well? And you're like, dude, who cares? I was like, oh, <laughs> I, I was care. like, OK, yeah. <laughs> so I guess like it's a video, dude. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there's bombs like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> But there are some people who, who before they even do a post on social media, they're thinking about it. They're like, oh, should I post this? Are people oh, going to hate it? I do I look stupid? What are people I look stupid think? a lot, dude. I say a lot of stupid things, especially on the podcast where it's not edited. So yeah. I just don't care. Like once you stop caring what other people think, it opens the door for you to be who you want to be. Did your parents teach you this? Did you get this from Mindy or 
Mindy doesn't care either, really, about what people think. So I think mm -hmm. uh, we're both in that kind of mindset. But no, I mean, my parents were different. They, dude, uh, you know, I'm Asian, man. Like, yeah, <laughs> they're quiet. <laughs> strict. <laughs> you know how that goes. Well, you don't yeah. know, but, you know. Uh. So anyways, no, I mean, it was always like, I, I remember, you know, in baseball and stuff, I would kind of do some crazy things. Like I'd, I'd have a mohawk and different things. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my dad would be like, Hey, you got to be clean cut. You got to be professional for the scouts and <laughs> coaches and everything else. And I'm like, okay. So I did that in high school and college. But mm -hmm. once I became a pro, you know, you, your mentality changes. You're like, who cares? Just do what we want. Yeah. We're pros. Yeah. And so, you know, I kind of did like you start running your own life. And so when I became an entrepreneur is the same thing. I'm like, what do I care? What I don't have a boss. Who's going to yeah. tell me what color my hair is and stuff. And it's funny yeah. because, you know, I was on Graham's podcast and uh, I was telling him I was dying my hair. He's like, dude, like, are you kind of scared that investors aren't going to want to invest with you? Because exactly. Yeah. And I was like, if they're worried about my hair, I don't want them to invest with me. I don't want their money. I don't want to make them any money either. That's their problem. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay, very, very last question, and then we'll wrap up. All Where right, do you I see got, yourself? I got Bible study coming up. What do you got? I, I know. I know. We got Bible study. Okay. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? And then we'll wrap up. I don't know, dude. You know, I, I say like five years ago, I would have never predicted I'd be where I'm at today. You know, it was like literally barely over five years ago, I made over a hundred thousand for the first time in my career. You know, and mm -hmm. so see where we're at now. I'm like, this is nuts. So if I had to like just throw anything out there, I'd say, I have no idea. I don't know where God's going to take me, where my life is going to be, anything else. Um, would I be surprised if, you know, I was a billionaire? I actually wouldn't be surprised. You know, I think mm -hmm. there's so many things we're doing that have the potential to do that. So I, I totally wouldn't be surprised on at least the financial front of that. Um, but if I'm not, I don't really care. Like, it's not a goal of mine. You know, I'm not going to be beating myself up because it didn't happen. You know, for me, as long as we're getting better every year, that's all I care about. You know, if we're just improving and growing in all these things with the businesses, with my life and everything, I'm happy. And so my goal is just to improve every single year. Got it. All right. Well, we'll wrap up the first ever Future Flipper podcast. Thank you, Ryan from Pineda for coming on. I appreciate it. And um, we're going to change the world. So... Yeah, man. And I appreciate you, man. I think this podcast is going to change a lot of lives. I appreciate you for hosting it. And uh, for everyone listening, we're going to get some amazing guests that you guys are going to love. And I'll probably jump Perfect. on as a co-host for a couple of them, just for fun. Yeah. Yeah. Let's try to get some big ones and have you on, on a co-host. Yeah. Cool. All right, guys. This was the Future Flipper Podcast. We are out. Peace. Peace.